Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the If Not Now When podcast series. And my guest today is Dr. Kayade Fayomi, who is the former governor of Ekiti State, former minister of solid minerals, and lots of other things I could say he has done, very active in the pro-democracy movement. Private citizen. Private citizen <laughs> now. Um, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. So, um, as you know, or as I've told, I've discussed with you previously, one of the reasons we started, I started this podcast was because I really wanted to encourage more discussion of ideas in Nigerian politics. And the last time I saw you, you gave me your latest book called Unfinished Greatness, Envisioning a New Nigeria. Absolutely. Okay. So I hadn't heard about this book and I hadn't read it, but since you gave it to me, I read it and I was impressed. I thought, oh, I never heard these ideas and I wouldn't have never heard about these ideas anyway, because there are very few, in my view, there are very few places where we're talking about ideas a lot in Nigeria. And so I wanted to make sure that we can, I find a way to share some of those ideas with Nigerians, right? So that's part of why I asked you and thank you for accepting the invitation. No, it's a so, um, so um, in the book, you talked a lot about how Nigeria could lead Africa and influence the world. But it can't do that without getting its home in order first. But let me let you, so tell me a little bit more about why you wrote the book and maybe some of the, you know, why you, and then we can take it from there. Thank you, Amaka. Uh, well, <laughs> I've written many books, but I, I wrote this book in the heat of COVID-19, uh, where all of us were stuck up at home <laughs> and not able to do uh, anything. But it also... Uh, at that moment, I saw opportunity in the adversity that the world was experiencing. And it was around the time that I started thinking about running for the presidency. Mm -hmm. And I felt, look, okay, if I'm going to run uh, for Nigeria's presidency, I would really like to hinge it on my own agenda for Nigeria. Mm -hmm. How do I think some of the challenges that we're confronted with as a nation could be addressed by leadership acumen. Uh, and as someone who has operated both at the national and sub-national levels and also ended up as chairman of the Nigerian Governors Forum, uh, I thought I could share my own thoughts and ideas about those issues that are germane and that clearly were going to come up. Uh, amongst serious Nigerians who naturally should ask, yeah. why are you running? What do you want to do differently? Yeah. And how do you want to do it? Right. That's essentially what the book focused on. Some of the ideas <laughs> Nigerians have always talked about, restructuring. Okay, I was going to say, give us um, a high level. Restructuring. Mm -hmm. I talked about foreign policy there. I talked about intellectuals and politics. I talked about the place of religion in Nigerian politics. I talked about, I reviewed 20 years of democratization, 2019 to the period that we're in. 
Uh, those were the, the, the highlights of, of the book. And I tried to ensure that they dovetail into uh, one another and ended up with what I call my own agenda for Nigeria, pulling together different strands of the arguments that are run through the book. Okay, so we can talk more about that. But, but first, I guess, let me ask one of my favorites, uh, two of my favorite lines, right? Let me start with the first one, was where you said, and I'll read the quotes, nation building is a never ending process. We'll be doing it for the next thousand years. Correct. And you were discussing this in the context of the you know, complaints that we complain a lot as Nigerians yeah. about the structure of the country and how we wanted to change and whether we wanted to change and whether we should change this way or that way. And I thought that was, that was salient for me because the point I thought you were making was, and you said this in the book actually, is restructuring should be about making the current structure work Absolutely. better, yes. right? So I guess tell me more about like your thinking uh, there and like what we should be doing instead of thinking about changing the structure. Okay, thank you. Well, I, I, I started from the premise that we engage a lot in a lot of blame game. Oh, this is why we are having this problem and this is why we're not having it. This is what restructuring should mean. This is what it shouldn't mean. And if you gather 10 Nigerians, they will give you 10 perspectives on their own understanding of restructuring and how it should work. Uh, my, my own idea at the time was to try and also, as a student of history, to look around the world, which country has really ever achieved perfection mm -hmm. in its own structure. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, the Americans talk about towards a more perfect union. In other countries, they talk about building blocks of development. Every country historically goes through a trajectory. What you don't want is reversal. Mm -hmm. You want progress. And remaking Nigeria, as I argued in the book, shouldn't be about unmaking Nigeria. Because mm. once you start talking about unmaking, about secession, about going our different ways, you're basically arguing that there's no point. Yeah. The future is bleak. And this project is no longer in the hands of architects and builders. It's ready for demolition. Mm. And my argument in the book simply says remaking Nigeria is making Nigeria work better for all peoples of Nigeria. That's the essence of it. Not a segment, yeah. not an ethnicity, not a religious caucus or an elite class, but making it work for all Nigerians. And that's what I went through in the book. I think I used several analogies, including Ben Okri's Famished Road. Yeah. Uh, that every generation <laughs> keeps yes. building. Keeps building. <laughs> yes. And we shouldn't think that it's our generation that will finish the work. No, because, because it's Because there will still be more work, <laughs> to, still be be more work to be done. But on that note, so let me, let's talk specifics a little mm -hmm. bit. Since you do have the experience of running a state. Absolutely. And you've been at the federal level. In your view, what are some of the things we can do to make the states work better in the way that we, it, there currently exists? Well, I, I think the founding fathers of Nigeria found the right mechanism when they went for federalism okay. rather than unitary form of government. Because anywhere you have a multi-ethnic society that have come together as a country, the most effective mechanism has always been a federal structure, cool. which allows for, yes, competition, mm -hmm. but also cooperation. Mm -hmm. But the way in which you structure that federation would bear a lot of, I mean, would have a lot of impact on the effectiveness of the federation. In our own, we started with a three-region federation. And that three-region federation was one that placed a lot of weight on a particular region. 
size, mm. population, and it was lopsided. Mm. But the principle itself was still the correct principle mm. in which the resources generated at the regional level, 50% of it is kept mm. at the regional level to develop. And when you look at the development in the First Republic, mm. I mean, it's amazing. 7% growth. You have the regions utilizing the resources available in their various yeah. entity for development. That's when you had free education program and they were all competing amongst themselves, but they were so, also industrial. Right, which we don't have that now. Processing, yeah. uh, agriculture, um, education, e even. So are you, are you, uh, so, so, mm -hmm. but I've not finished. Okay. We then went into military rule. Right. That subverted that principle in order to make Nigeria one because of, of course, what we had, the civil war. Right. Um, that hierarchical unitary development then centered everything around the federal government. It became <coughs> almost a master-servant relationship. And that's a subversion of federalism. Hmm. Because federalism, by its essence, yeah. so is I, not subordinate. Right. It is coordinate. So I wanted to challenge you on that because, and I, I say this often, because I think that the states in Nigeria today mm -hmm. actually have a lot of authority that they don't use. They so, do. Only states can collect personal income taxes. Correct. Mm -hmm. Which in most countries in, in the world mm -hmm. is by far the source of the majority of revenue that that country gets. Most countries in the world base most of the revenue on taxes, on taxes. as you know, right? Mm -hmm. Unlike us. Mm -hmm. um, and typically in federal, in federal states, mm -hmm. there is a federal income tax and there's a state, and a state income, income tax, tax, right? Yeah. In our, for us, it's only the states. But most states are not collecting anything or barely collecting anything outside of Lagos. Um, states have the authority to prosecute crimes, state crimes. Correct. Right? Mm -hmm. They should be, when I say prosecute, you know, prepare evidence, go, da da da, you know, justice, right? Prosecute. Not necessarily, they don't have states, they don't have police, but they have prosecutorial authority. So how do you enforce? Fair. I know that that will be the question that you come back to me, but you can work with the police, right? But it's like the, the actual prosecution part is still not happening, right? Anyway, so, so those okay. are the things I throw back. And I'm like, well, states have the, states have the authority. To, to, states have responsibility on primary health care, on, you know, local, local, state roads, so many things they okay. are not doing. So well, how will giving them more authority help anything? You know, that's at the question. risk of sounding as though I'm defending states, I'm no longer <laughs> a state governor. I'm sure you know that. But I was chairman of Nigerian governors. Right. So I understand the, uh, where states are coming from. First, there's been significant improvement in tax generation when you look at the statistics. On the federal level? No, at the state level. Okay. Even at the state level. Okay. From what it used to be, states are better focused uh, in terms of generating taxes, but not necessarily personal income tax. Fair, okay. They're looking at other avenues, property tax, they're looking at stamp duty, they're looking at a range of uh, capital gains tax, a, a number of that. States are beginning to wake up to that reality. And when you look at the statistics, it shows that it's not just Lagos. Yeah, Lagos is doing much better than most states because in Lagos, barely 2% of the people who live in Lagos work for government. In Ekiti State, <laughs> the largest employer of labor is government. Mm -hmm. So there's more industry in so, Lagos. Exactly, so you have that. But besides that, let's also not forget that we have become a tax-averse nation. Mm, thank you. Because of oil, yes. Nigerians have this sense of entitlement. Yeah. Just as we have faced with removal of fuel subsidy, mm. the average Nigerian will tell you that, ah, isn't that the only thing we get from government? Yeah. 
Why are they taking it away from us? Yeah. So states face an enormous challenge trying to even encourage tax payment as a corollary of development. Now look, yeah. if you pay more tax, you will see the evidence in what we do. Because yeah. the governor is not a magician. It is the resources available Absolutely. that is going to put to use in yeah. your own interest. So we have that psychological challenge to overcome. Right. And it is oil driven. There's no other reason for it. Because right. in the 60s, even though there was that challenge too, Chief Obafemi Awolowo in the Western region, for example, charged a pound when he wanted to start his free education program. Hmm. It cost him an election, but he did it. So that mentality is still How do we get present. that? How do we change that? Let me put it that way. I mean, I think my, I always say my view, and I would love to, I, I always say that I think Nigerian elites should communicate and the governments should communicate better. And like, and I think even the intellectuals, where are the intellectuals that Nigeria, should come out? We should we, we, you're right. We should evoke. communicate better, but we have a trust deficit yeah. that we must overcome unless we okay. want to delude ourselves. The average Nigerian citizen does not trust the leader. Yeah. The leader also does not trust the citizen. So you have this uh, yeah. Gramscian logic. Why, do, why don't the leaders trust the citizens? Because we know why the, the citizens don't trust the leaders, right? Because the, the leaders also feel, okay, what you're accusing us of, yeah. all you want to do is get to this position and repeat the same thing. You two, you want to do the same. So how do we so break, it's a chicken and egg problem. It's a chicken and egg problem, but, the, but cycle? the cycle has to be broken by leadership, not the followership. Right. Leadership has a responsibility a to continue to communicate, to communicate, to communicate, and to gain credibility right. by doing, doing rather than talking. Right. Unless people see a direct correlation between what you say as a leader and what okay. you do, doing. you cannot say, tighten your belt. You cannot say yeah. we must manage the resources we have. And you as governor go around in a 30-car convoy. It does not match. But when the people see you in your two-car or three-car convoy or even in a no-car convoy, yeah. they begin to say, ah, he's managing our resources yeah. very sensitively, very intelligently, and in accordance with how we would like to see things done. But then again, the same followership you're talking about are sending the same leader messages to come and take care of the school fees yeah, of their children, <laughs> of their mother who has just died in it's the village, it. whose funeral must be done. It is the same leader that they want. And they're not asking that, where is the money, where is the money that he wants to give me for this funeral, for this marriage, for this school fees? Where is it coming from? And it's not just me. It's 10,000 other people, other people lying who in are it. sending yeah, it to him. Yeah. And you know his salary. You know what he gets as a governor. Yeah. Yet, you pile these responsibilities on him. So, we're, we're, yeah. we're all disingenuous. We're, 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 we're just pretending. And time is not on our side. Right. Particularly now that we have such a youthful population that is fed up with us right. as leaders and political drivers who are not doing enough for them. They don't want to know why you're not doing enough. They just see that their life is not better. And of course, yeah. the exit strategy is Japa to wherever they want to go uh, in the hope that things will get better there and that their talents would be, be better utilized. And more often than not, you really discover that their talents are better utilized because the opportunities are maybe right. more. In, in those settings. Because Nigerians generally are driven, they are determined, they want to do well, they want to compete. And I mean, I walk into restaurants in London and everywhere you hear is Rema or Bonaboy or- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, yeah, so, so that's yeah. power. 
That is power, but how are we utilizing that power? That's soft power. Yeah, no, and, and we'll get to that. So that's the next <laughs> part. So just to close the, the, the loop on this part. So are you, how, what's the sequencing here? Well, the sequencing right? for me. For how to make the current structure work better. Let's focus on the state. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't want to make it too no, broad no, a conversation. No, 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 and I wouldn't how make it. How to make the state the, work the, better. The, 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 reason, the way to make the structure work better is to devolve power to the closest But we just level said they already have power. No, no, but no, 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 no. But what, you don't just devolve power, you also ensure accountability. Okay. So you need to raise the consciousness of the population. Thank you. So okay. If That's what you, I was going to ask. If you are bringing, if you're, if you're generating 40 billion or whatever, how are you utilizing it? Mm -hmm. When I was governor, we, we used to run what we call citizen's budget. Mm -hmm. And what was citizens' budget in Ekiti? I go around to the communities before the budget cycle every year. And in each community in Ekiti, they will tell me the top three priority projects, so, which is then fed into the state budget. And we even give them some of the resources to implement the projects themselves, themselves. rather than implement it for them. So I like this first step. Whose responsibility is it to raise the consciousness of the population? Because not every governor, with all due respect to all the governors in Nigeria, mm. not every governor wants to be held accountable, right? In fact, most governors don't want to be held accountable. Well, There's a lot of politicking a, no, no. about calling on the federal government. Federal Amaka, government insecurity. Amaka, you, you know? may be right, but one significant development as chairman of the Governors Forum was a program that I ran for four years. And in every single state, and I don't think it's changed now, you can go to the website and find the financial audited statement of that state. Every single state? Every single state. Because we also offered, in, we offered incentives for them to do it. So then that means... We provided training at the Governor's Forum. You can also, not just yeah, that, that, you can find procurement data. They've awarded this contract in your state for this amount of money, these are the people who competed for the project, hmm. and this was the person who eventually won the bid. So then that means, in my view, then there's a responsibility for people like me, for the citizens, for the media, exactly, to be talking about those numbers. And for civil and society, saying, exactly. What are you doing, right? Because that's how you're going to raise consciousness exactly. and increase and if you come, accountability. If you come from a state like Ekiti, where we had a Freedom of Information Act, beyond the General Freedom of Information Act that is in in the, the, the national one, we actually instituted our own. So you can come and ask. Yeah, okay. And you get the information. But you know, people are so cynical. These sites of progress, these yeah. things that are happening, majority are not even aware of it because they're just struggling to make, uh, to eke right. out a, a daily that's living. That's where the information and consciousness also comes in. Oh, yes. So it sounds like, to me, this is a big part of the social. We need to talk more about what it is that we're doing and we need the media to also follow. I mean, I mean no, the, gov no, the, the no, governments, no. not just at the federal level, but also at, at the state levels. level. Talk more about what it is that they're doing, what we should be held like a, accountable on. And then it's also up to the media and the people Absolutely. to follow up and hold accountable. And then I feel like my own view on this issue of giving states more authority is if I, I some we I need the states not I need all the states to show that they can handle the authority that they already have. The problem is that they states, can use it look, right even to development, good use. And then we can give them more. But authority. Okay, you know again I'll give you a fact that yeah. is not often known. Development partners are discovering that it's better for them to invest in states than to give money to federal government. Yeah, I mean the states because federal government don't just they yeah, either don't spend far. the money or they fritter it away. Yeah. The mind-boggling corruption that takes place in this place is just typified by what you just saw with PNID. That is the kind, the, the numbers they talk about, I always ask myself, and I ask my colleague, this kind of numbers, where are you even going to get that kind of money in the state in the first instance? You are struggling to pay salaries. When, yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, when I became chairman of, of, of the Governor's Forum, the World Bank project in states, it was 60, in fact, it was 80 20. The more of the money was going to federal government than to states. Now it is 70 to states. 30% to the federal. 
I just, I, I think that's fair. As long as we start to spend because equal time and, and attention, also talking about the states, because we spend all our time talking about the federal government. You should talk about them. I, I, talk I about the states. So talk about the states. Hold, hold them accountable. Hold their feet to fire. There's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah. But if you want to see real development, yeah. leaving the money in Abuja will not get, get you development. Mm -hmm. It won't get you any as development. As, yeah. You as have as to as find as a way to push the money. And I'm not saying push to government in the yeah. states. Find a way to push the money to communities, to, yeah. to the people, to uh, projects that would have greater impact right. on development. Because the states are really the engines of development. I agree. Okay. So let's, you know, let's transition to the external stage. Let's well, assume... I, I wanted to actually... Okay, you, sure. you made that point earlier. The, the dichotomy is a false one. Which one? You cannot separate domestic from the foreign. Hmm. As a matter of fact, in many places, the foreign becomes the extension of the domestic. Right. And that is why we need and to get our act together. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fair. Mm -hmm. Fair. You're right. But, but assuming that in some ways, like you said in the book, if you don't have your home in other, and a part of the reason why Nigeria has become so much less active on, on the global we're, we're, we're stage is because on we have so many issues. Yeah, we do. It's like, I mean, when, when the Niger coup happened and President Tinubu was, you know, front and center trying to handle it, uh, currency started falling because people were worried about a war. You know, it was like, there's no cabinets. You know, what are you doing? It was just... There's too much going on at home, right? There's too much going on, but President so, Tinubu was right to have taken the firm stance he took on the Niger question. Yeah. Because it's about promoting norms and standards to which we were the leading country. ECOWAS and the African Union <coughs> have been very clear and consistent on unconstitutional change of government. The protocol on democracy and good governance the ECOWAS protocol on democracy and good government is also very clear. It's not been consistently applied over the years. I mean, we, we also saw what African Union did when yeah. Egypt had the coup, vis-a-vis -vis what it did when other countries had coups. Right. Because of the role of Egypt as chairperson of ECOWAS around the same time of, of African Union at the time, and of course, his strategic involvement with the Americans. Mm -hmm. There was yeah. a rather tepid reaction. But when it comes down to West Africa, mm -hmm. given what has happened, let's just say in the Sahel, mm -hmm. Mali, Guinea, Burkina Faso, even the unsuccessful one in Chad. Yeah. And then Sudan, right on top of us. I mean, President Tinubu and other West African leaders ought to be concerned, yeah. even from the position of enlightened self-interest. Yeah. And two, when you look at it collectively, the notion that military vanguardism is the response to mm. bad governance yes. has also been Let's talk totally about that. trashed. Let's talk about that because the, the one thing that all these countries have in common that have had coups recently, mm -hmm. especially in our neighborhood. Terrorism. Not just terrorism. The way I, I put it as poor state capacity. Oh, yeah. So yeah. these states are not delivering public goods. Right? I mean, we have an issue of state capacity, but not to the degree. These are even worse, right? Like, there's no security. They're not delivering roads. They're not delivering infrastructure. They're not delivering sort of basic public services that a state exists the to deliver. The truth of the matter, right? the truth of the matter, but, Amaka, is that 
liberal democracy is in recession everywhere, not just in Africa. Fair, but that, that's what I, so I, I, I want to get to the crux of what, how, what, what I'm going to ask, which is, can we as Nigeria really make a difference just by saying, if the book goes out, just by taking a stand that we're against unconstitutional change, if we are not and or cannot do anything no, about no, no. the underlying no, we have issue. To, that, that is the so responsibility how, that leadership imposes on us and how that we cannot we, run away from. For too we, long, we've run away from, from it in the last yeah. decade. Remember where we were in the 70s. Mm -hmm. African leaders, in fact, let me go back to 60s. They had a united front on decolonization. And they worked together collectively. Of course, led by Kwame Nkrumah, Julius Nyerere. Even our more conservative Tafawa Balewa was involved in that struggle. And in the 70s, after many of them had become independent, the united front against apartheid was Nigeria-led. And it wasn't just led by word of mouth. Nigeria spent, at the end of that decolonization and anti-apartheid struggle, basic. So what you're asking us to do in Niger will require resources. Yes, yeah. We need to help. We used to go and pay salaries in the Caribbean yeah. when General Gowan was president. Yeah. So there's no question. We, so, used to, we used to give concession oil. This oil that they smuggle to all these countries. Yeah. You know what we used to do in the 70s? We used to give them a concessionary price mm. to all the countries in West Africa. So there's no need to smuggle any PMS so out of Nigeria. what you're saying, this is like my favorite thing to talk about. What you're saying is that ultimately, in order for us to have that kind of impact externally, we need to raise more resources oh, domestically. So, you know, I always say, my big thing is I always say that we have a revenue crisis. And we have a revenue problem, not a debt problem, because Correct. we're raising very little revenue. Mm -hmm. And if we raise more revenue and figure out how to raise revenue, invest it properly, and then the economy grows, and then we have more revenue to raise because people are growing, then we'll have more money to do the things that we need to do. We need more money, but it's not just money. We also need to deploy our soft power more intelligently. Mm, okay. Something That's like what that. I don't think we're doing enough of. Mm. In, the, in 1986, Professor Bolaji Akemi, as our foreign minister, mm -hmm. started a program known as Technical Aid Corps. And what do we do in Technical Aid Corps? We used to send graduates, Nigerian pharmacists, doctors, teachers, all over Africa. We pay, we pay the salary, not the countries we pay. That takes money. No, no, no. That it comes back to money. No, but yeah, no, here it you. takes yeah. money. But yeah. when you send teachers to Namibia, they're not just yeah. there for the salary they're getting. Yeah. The, the impact is a lot That's more so subliminal. It's a no, lot so more okay. intangible. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. those kids taught by a Nigerian <coughs> teacher would never forget in their lives mm -hmm. that, oh, I was only able to go to school because I had this teacher. It's did kind of how Liberians to feel today about what we did. About what we did. In the, Sierra Leone. In the, it cost us money. Civil, yeah. It cost us money, but we restored order in those two countries. It's a price to pay for leadership. So and we are in we that be, position. So you're saying we should be doing more today, even with the resources we have. Even with the resources we have. Soft power in the Sahel area. The resources that is being stolen we can deploy it to more intelligence use locally yeah. and externally yeah, to achieve results. Just imagine what we are not taking out of, what the Davidos and the Burner Boys and these young kids are doing all over the place. Mm. What do you mean taking out of it? Like the, the country, what, what, what are we benefiting? Look, when I was growing up, the Caribbeans would encourage Peter Tosh and Bob Marley to infuse their music with particular messages that resonate. Mm. Have we ever sat down with this group of mm. exciting young men and women to say, what are we, what's signaling? What are, we, what are we getting out of this year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Calm down or whatever the music, <laughs> I don't know them. Yeah. I, but I know they, yeah, yeah, all these yeah. popular yeah. tracks. 
We can. We can. These are very imaginative, be, creative okay. kids. Okay. You can sit down with them yeah. and say, okay, uh, not Nigeria, Jaga Jaga or all yeah. that. I mean, yeah. okay, you bring them back and say, okay, we have a problem. Yeah. We know. We don't want to take your money. So yeah. don't think that's why government is yeah. calling you. It's not yeah. about tax. Yeah. We're not asking you how much we're making. Yeah, but how can you but help us? How can you help us? Yeah. I expect the Minister of Tourism or Creative yeah. Economy, that's a Ministry Arts and Culture and Creative Economy, or what do they call the ministry that uh, uh, Hanatu Mosawa yeah. uh, leads? Uh, something like that. Yeah. I expect someone like her to say, okay, yeah. I just want that's to have amazing. a brainstorming session with you yeah. guys. We'll plant some seeds. Now, look, yeah. tell me, what do you think I should be doing yeah. to attract attention from you? Mm. Okay, so that's one area that you that's think we could area. be using better. It's, we have a the massive, have. massive Or soft even power. Nollywood. Nollywood. You know, same I mean, thing. people are watching that movies all over the continent. Oh, not just right? all over the continent, well, right up to the Caribbean. Yeah. They love those movies. Yeah, yeah. How can we use that Look, to project influence? I had the, I won't call it misfortune. <laughs> I, I had the fortune, I would say, of traveling to Malawi a few years ago. I can't remember the year now. And I, I traveled to Malawi for an observer mission. And the day I was coming to Malawi, someone called Rita Dominic was visiting. Some Nigerian Nollywood uh, mm. uh, actress. At the time, I didn't know her. I had no clue who Rita Dominic was. But she was such a superstar in Malawi. I got to the airport. Are you serious? Oh. A Nigerian actress. I am. And you didn't even know her. I, I, I didn't even know her. So I, they saw my passport. Hey. Imze, Nigerian. I said, yes. Ah. Do you know Rita? Yeah. This is the immigration officer at the wow. airport. Interesting. Because she was coming for some yeah. big event in the place. So we tend to underestimate the influence yes. that this... Uh, creative yeah. uh, people have. So, and it's intangible, but government can deploy can it deploy a lot it. more intelligently. Actually, another idea I've, I'd heard since you mentioned this, I think it's very, it's very interesting, was that Nigeria should lead some kind of a development conference for Sahel. I don't, I'm not sure what that would work, because, because what people are yearning for is... The replacement, you know, the people feel like France's influence has not been helpful for development. Absolutely. And they're yearning for a, you know, a, a, an alternative. More, an alternative. An alternative that, that they can relate, relate to. to. And Nigeria is the best place to do that. But that the, could speak to the developmental issues issue. in the know, place. You know, I think, and when we talk about communication, right, having some, we, I don't think we've addressed that issue in our community, even when we were intervening intervening in Niger. No, we haven't. We did not communicate clearly. No, no, no. You no, know, no, we haven't. I, in a way that I, spoke to those desires. You know, I think the last time we did that was when we were involved in anti-apartheid struggle. Yeah, Every single Nigerian was yeah. conscious of what we were doing. Yeah, that's really we, 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 we were engaged. Yeah. Uh, we were... So what happened? I know we've talked about this. I don't want to dwell on it. Like... Why did we stop? What happened to that? Because you describe it. I, I read, you know, this speech that you gave recently about how people were engaged in what we were doing externally. Oh, yes. There was an awareness. There was a consciousness. And I assume that was because there was communication coming from the top as well. And, yeah. like, you have to evoke people's agency by giving them a vision of oh, what you want absolutely. to be, right? So what happened? Did we just did our leaders just lose ambition? Did they lose vision? Like what happened? Why did we start? <laughs> no, this is a hard question. Because well, I, I, I think I think the last twenty context. years has been challenging. Uh, yeah. and, and frankly, we probably ended up with leaders that were less than ambitious yeah. uh, in terms of the greatness of Nigeria, um, particularly after Obasanjo. Yeah. Obasanjo was very involved. He was yeah. focused on that. He, yeah. he had a clear idea of Nigeria as leader in Africa. And he did a lot to push that agenda. But yeah. subsequently... Um, we lost interest. We seem to uh, no, lose interest. Well, I think we just had leaders that punched below their weight. Yeah. Uh, below That's the fair. weight of Nigeria, of Nigeria. Or that pulled Nigeria down to their own size. That's fair. And, and, and that was a problem. And I think... That's fair. 
clearly that's one of the things that President Tinubu seemed to be pushing against. Pushing. That look, yeah. Nigeria has to take its but rightful well, place, I, yeah. and Nigeria has to have an assertive position on everything concerning the continent. Yeah. And we must have a seat at the table. And that's the point I was making in that lecture you're talking, talking yes. about. That look, yes, the world may be replacing a unipolar system with a multipolar rise of middle uh, countries because, yeah. and all that. But if we don't come together as Africans... Yeah, let's, let's talk about that, actually. If we don't come together as Africans, yeah. if we're pursuing it individually... Yeah. Oh, this is Nigeria's agenda. Yes, yeah. we're going to have differences. Yeah. But if we agree on the larger sense of it, yeah. that's the only way we're going to get to sit at that table. Otherwise, we will end up on the menu. <laughs> so, so this is a great place to end because we usually try to keep the podcast within one hour. But this is something that I've thought about and I've written about, and I still, but I still don't quite know. I still, there's still some thinking to do on this, which is, I think, and we've talked about this, and you mentioned the coming together, right? So particularly, I think Nigeria and South Africa are the two biggest economies. Sure. Right? Mm. Um, what do you think would need to happen for us to see more of a common position whether it's Nigeria leading, the two of them leading together, it doesn't ha only have to be Nigeria and South Africa, bring in the other big players, Kenya, I don't know, Ethiopia, mm. you know, Ghana. What would need to happen for us to get there, for us to actually have more of an African common position and, you know, have seen more bloc voting at the mm -hmm. UN? That's coordinated, mm -hmm. not just accidental, we all voted well, the that's same my way, point. right? Like, how for, do we, first, what do we need to, to do? To well, I think there? the first thing is shared values. We first need to really agree on shared value. What is that common denominator that all Africans subscribe to at this point in time? Mm. So basically, we need to find something that binds us together in the way the liberation struggle of Absolute. the 60s motivated everybody and everybody. brought us together. And it led to us being on the front line and was in Africa that time, and all of that. But we at, had something. Even then, we still had a few countries that were not on the yeah. page, but, but they, were, they were the minority. Yeah. So, it doesn't make everybody yeah. can get on the same no. page. So, but isn't so, development so, the, shared, the shared value? That is it. Development is the shared value. And clearly, South Africa and Nigeria can push on that. Nigeria has the population. Yeah. yeah. South Africa has the a much more mature or much more developed economy, so to speak. Yeah. And if you see the way yes. South Africa and Nigeria got together like peas in a pod in the early 2000s, when Obasanjo was president and Thabo Mbeki was president, then your, your, your thesis can work. Because the two of so them were able to then, they were able to drive the others. They brought in Senegal, they brought in Egypt and Algeria, yeah. and then the new Partnership for African Development emerged. And that new Partnership for African Development, Nepal alone was able to uh, push for debt relief, debt forgiveness mm. in many African countries. We're getting back to that same Please, yeah. debt peonage yeah. again without any clear answers. Yeah. And there are things that affect us all that such a unity of purpose can help with. Climate finance. Climate finance. For That's example. a big one. Yeah. Climate finance, we can do that. Even greater accountability amongst ourselves. APRM, the peer review mechanism, can yeah. be strengthened for that. And also, even restructuring reform of the United Nations system. That's a big we, one. We can work together on all I mean, those and things. we have a lot of votes. We do. If we came together. And it's a game of numbers. We have a lot of votes. And now yeah. that we're talking about middle-income countries rising, this country was a pioneer of the concert of medium powers. Nigeria. Nigeria, way back. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. But now... Now we've we're not even we're not even G20. <laughs> yeah, we're not there. there. Brics. We're not there. Yeah. Brics was supposed to be Brinks. Mm. Nigeria dropped the ball. Yeah. Well, South Africa can use its yeah. active role there to pull in Nigeria. Nigeria and then find a way to work on the others. Although I heard we didn't want to join Brics. It's not. That's not. <laughs> 
<laughs> we didn't apply, not that because we didn't yeah, want to. Yeah. Well, there is a lot of get, issues yeah. I around mean, that. I mean, the but, government was new, so maybe, but, you know. but for me, G20 may even be more critical more than at this point, uh, yeah, at this point for yeah. us. But the important point is some of those issues that have divided us, we need to also rise above it. You mean divided us and South Africa? Nigeria, Nigeria. No, Nigeria and South, South Africa, Africa particularly. Because mm. if those things have not divided us, I mean, like what, South, South, South Africa was forever grateful to Nigeria. Uh, but and now, but now nobody knows. No, they don't even remember what we did. Yeah. So that's, but, but that's where communication yeah, comes into the, place. The first, yeah. the first contention was Abacha. Mm. That was when Mandela said he was going to light fire under Nigeria because of the killing of Kentaro Uwa. Yeah. That, that was the first problem we had. Breaking the relationship. Breaking the relationship. Because this was just a year. Mm. Two years after South Africa's democracy. Fair, and fair. we had done a lot. Yeah. And don't forget, yeah. particularly MQ Abiola had contributed a lot to that anti-apartheid struggle. Mm. Spent a lot of money. It was treated as royalty mm. at Mandela's inauguration in 94. Mm. So, understandably, when all of that started happening... So you're saying those things that divided us that no longer exist? No, no longer well, they, we just need yeah. to rise above it. Some to, of it exists. No. We were competing for the Security Council seat together. Yeah. So that was national interest. It wasn't, wasn't a case of yeah. divide, dividing yeah. us. We, we just wanted the seat. They wanted the seat. Egypt wanted yeah. the seat. So no, we should all work together. So exactly. I think we should just yes. work together and put African yes. Union there. And, put the and the, then control the AU. And then control the AU yeah. so that all of us can be on the same page. Yeah. We also had two other pro problems. Yeah. We didn't support South Africa when Nkosazana Zuma wanted to be chairperson of oh, the African really? Union. Yeah. And then we disagreed over resolution of the crisis in Cote d'Ivoire. Mm. So all these things right. had come together to create uh, a bit of a... And don't forget, under, under um, President Jonathan too, we had that crisis of the $9 million that was seized. Oh, in South Africa? Yes, oh, the aircraft. That. We, it was yes. Nine, Nigeria's money. Nigeria's some, money, something. $9 million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've had these yeah. frictions that we need to... So now, I mean, what do you think it'll take? Is it just, is it as simple as there's a new leadership in Nigeria now, they should go reach out, leadership, fresh blood, clear the air, start talking. Is it, is it that simple? In international politics, chemistry works. Yeah. Chemistry matters. It's intangible. You can't figure it out. Yeah. But that was something about us on your heart. He was able to. He had the, he had the uh, presence. He had the presence. He had the, 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 the profile. Not even, he's not even, he has a rustic. Yeah. There's a certain yeah. rusticity about him, like a villager that others like yeah. out there. And he leverages on it a lot. Uh, I'm not sure our president has demonstrated that yet. Yeah. And I'm not sure he's in a position to do so. Mm. Uh, because that will require a lot of traveling, mm. a lot of activity in order to stamp his authority. And he has a lot of problems at home here. So, so and, and he wants to so resolve he, problems at home. Yeah. I mean, he gave a good speech here this morning yeah. about what we can do in three years, what we can do in 20 years, how we can turn this into a trillion dollar oh. economy and the role that private sector can be. It was a very, very inspiring, positive speech. But so he can we, do that on the, on the global stage too. Well, this thing, yes, we're in the age of COVID, but you can't be doing this on Zoom. Yeah. People it's need to, you need yeah. To, yeah. to really yeah. uh, engage physically. Yeah. Diplomacy yeah. is different. But that, it doesn't, do you think it has to be the president? Can his team, members of the team do that? Actually, his, his vice so president so. is very good at that. Yeah. His vice president is very good. Yeah. Uh, the foreign minister is still trying to find his feet, but he too is very articulate. So, yeah. but you know, there are opportunities. But there are also egos clashing. Presidents only like to talk to presidents. Yeah. They don't like to talk to foreign That's minister true. or yeah, to yeah, vice yeah. president. So it's something that really falls on the president. So, international yeah. diplomacy is the forty of a president. So are you? So let's end on this note. So that are you optimistic or not? about Nigeria being able to do, so the two things we've talked about, the domestic front, trying to make the current structure work better, delivering, which I think we agreed on, like it needs more communication, 
more accountability, more communication from my leaders, mm -hmm. and then more accountability from the people, right? Mm -hmm. And then on the foreign policy part, it needs investments in with it needs investment personal, not just in in cash, in cash but, but investments in personal in exactly. interpersonal relations. Yeah. Uh, and clearly, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Um, understandably, I. I, I know how things were and how things are now and the opportunities that are there for us. Yeah. If we remain consistent, dogged, and determined, and we have a plan. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm yet to see a comprehensive plan in place. But if we have a plan yeah. or we follow what is in the 2021-2050 agenda mm. that was developed by the departing, by the Buhari administration, oh. With a few tweaking, mm. bringing in the eight-point agenda of the Tinubu administration and religiously delivering on it, and communicating and it communicating too. it to the people. And right now, people right yeah. now, the bank that we started with is beginning to reduce to a whimper, yeah. and we need to re re-energize. Yeah. We need to re-energize it. Yeah. I mean, when. Yeah. That's the yeah. newspapers like the Financial Times yeah. are beginning to write yeah. editorials to say, oh, well, we don't know what is going on. Yeah. And Daily Trust, I saw today writing an editorial about We're where is our momentum. government yeah. and all that. We're losing momentum. We're losing momentum. So we need to really yeah. re-energize, recalibrate, yeah. and yeah. invest a lot of confidence in the market. In the right now, yeah. there's a run on our money. And that is lack of confidence in the That's market. Lack of confidence, yeah. Well, that's a good place to end. Thank but clearly, you so much. It's unfinished greatness. It's unfinished greatness. Yeah. <laughs> we we circled right back. Exactly. We circled right back to where we started. But we need There's to continue. There's more to be done. Nation building is it's a never-ending project. Thank you. And so we'll keep we'll working, keep, on, we'll keep it. working so on it. Thank you so much for your time. Great conversation. Love Thank you for having, having me. having you back. And okay. Thank you.